the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Today on the program, we have a special treat. We're going back through some of the calls that we've had over the previous months and years here with your questions when you called into the radio program. And we're going to start off right off the bat here with a phone call from... Bill, Bill is calling us from Fairfax. I have a question about renting versus buying. I'm an older guy, I'm 57. I just retired from the federal government after living overseas for 26 years. And during that time, we didn't have any housing costs, but we saved our money. So we have a substantial cash position. But the intent of which was to buy a house eventually. But we're only going to be in this area probably another, I don't know, six to ten years. And so our family size is changing. Our daughter's just gone off to college. Our son is getting ready to go to college next year. And I don't need to tap into that housing money that I've saved to send the kids to college. That's taken care of. But I'm just not entirely sure whether I should rent or buy. We're renting right now while we make this decision and get settled. Bill, all the reasons that you just listed out are reasons to continue to rent and reasons to buy. I had this conversation, actually, coincidentally enough, with a client of mine earlier this week. She's wanting to sell and then rent. She's a little bit older than you, but that's what she's wanting to do. So the risk on buying now in this area, as you say, and wanting to move out six to ten years from now is that the real estate values will go down or that the money you've pumped into this house, you won't get back out. That's the real risk that you're wrestling around with. On the other hand, what happens if the values go up? So it really depends on what we would call the opportunity cost of what you're going to be doing with your dollars. Right now, yes, you are throwing away rental income, and you have no tax deduction associated with that, but you're also not paying anybody interest either, right? You also don't have to deal with property taxes. You also don't have to deal with all the maintenance cost of a rental type of a property. But yet at the same time, if your investments are growing, you know, think about this. 
let's suppose you're going to put down money on a house, okay, and the property value doesn't go up before you sell it. Versus now, if you would have rented, you would have had more money in the marketplace growing for yourself at compound interest, right? Or if you put right. money into the house and the house goes down, what happens if you put money into the house and the house goes up? Where are your dollars invested now? If your dollars are just sitting in the bank, then you're effectively getting a negative rate of return once you talk about inflation and taxes because the interest rates are so low in the bank. So those are lazy right. dollars that need to be employed one way or the other. So it's a very interesting conversation with you and your wife. Sit down with your advisor and run it out in a financial plan and take a good, strong look at it all. There's really nothing wrong with both ways. Ultimately, when you get down the road and you fully retire wherever you want to be, you want to have what I would call rent control in your situation, which means get a home, get it paid for so nobody can sit there in your 60s and your 70s and your 80s and keep jacking up your rent. Do you see what I mean? That's one way to look at it. Yep, that's another way to take a look at it as well. So your math formula on this whole thing, Bill, is really opportunity cost, what to do with the dollars if you buy or if you rent. That's the math that you really need to play out. Right. How do I make that risk calculus with either scenario? How can I do the research? Like, how can I look into a crystal ball, as it were, and see what real estate prices might do versus what the stock market might do. Is there a resource well, for well looking at that kind of thing? You can read the tea leaves of the economy, but nobody can predict what the markets are going to do. Nobody can also predict what the real estate market's going to do either. You know, you could be in a booming real estate market, and then something could happen, God forbid, in that area and destroy the real estate market. You know, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can go on with all of that. There's risk in buying the property, and there's risk in not buying the property, too, and that's the opportunity cost of the dollars that you're talking about not employing in the real estate or just keeping growing in the marketplace. But basically, you can graph it out a couple of different ways. Draw a graph out of the property staying the same, going down, going up. Take a look at the real estate taxes. Take a look at cost of homeownership versus benefits of renting and continuing to invest more dollars for yourself and then flip the formula around. I've got an advisor in my office that is good at that. She's very good at that kind of stuff, quick on the draw with a calculator. If you want, I'll have her give you a ring and step you through some formulas and stuff to take a look at it, okay? Oh, that'd be excellent. Thank you. Yep, let me place you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information, and we'll have Dina give you a ring next week. Thanks for the phone call. We're going to go ahead and bring on Catherine, who's calling us now. Also from Maryland, Catherine. I'll be 69 this year, and I have an annuity, but I want to know how long can I pay into this annuity. Catherine, is the annuity an IRA annuity or a non-IRA annuity? It's an IRA. So you can only put money into an IRA as long as you have earned income, and once you're over 70 and a half, you can no longer contribute to an IRA. So it sounds like you have about a year left okay, in order so to I contribute as long as you're working. Yes. Well, I'm not working. I'm in retirement now. Yeah, you need to have earned income when you put the money into an IRA. Are you married? No. Okay. Then you're not going to be eligible to put money into that. If you like the annuity as your investment vehicle and you said, hey, you know what, I want to put more money into an annuity, you can. It would just be what's called a non-IRA annuity or a non-qualified annuity. So you can 
put money into that investment vehicle of choice. It Uh just wouldn't be an IRA. Now, if you stop and take a look at it, the money that you're putting into the IRA, it's tax deductible. Now, if you put money into a non-IRA and choose an annuity vehicle, so you just go open up the same annuity that you have, but it's not an IRA contribution, so now you have two of them. Once the money goes in there, Catherine, it grows tax-deferred because the annuity vehicle allows your money inside of it to grow tax-deferred for you, meaning that while it's growing, there are no taxes. And another advantage there is you can move money around inside the annuity from different investment sub-accounts and not have to pay capital gains taxes. So it's all going to grow tax-deferred for you. The only difference is when it comes out down the road, you pay your taxes on your gains. So if you like the idea of the annuity being your investment vehicle and you want to contribute to it, you can do that, but it just won't be deemed an IRA contribution. So you just open up another account. If I'm ready to draw it out at 70 and a half, how would I know if I'll have enough money to last me into my older age? So, Catherine, in the annuity contract, you should have – there should be some literature for you as to the type of withdrawal program you're allowed to take on the annuity, whether it's a lifetime withdrawal, it's a variable withdrawal, it's a withdrawal income stream that still allows you to have ownership of all the cash, so if you ever needed to reach in and pull a lump sum out, you can do so, or if you're going to annuitize the contract. So you have to look at the annuity contract itself to answer that question. I can have someone give you a call and step you through how to go about doing that for yourself if you like. Um, Okay. I'll call your office on Monday. Yeah, that's very important to really understand the type of income stream you're going to have. And a lot of annuities now, if you've purchased this annuity, let's say within the last 10 years or so, you could have some of these what they call income-protected riders on them that no matter what happens in the marketplace or what happens in the account values of the annuity, it will continue to pay you out for life. You need to understand the rules of engagement with those. In other words, if you withdraw too much in one given year, you could hurt the guarantees of it down the road further. So make sure that you understand what the rules are, the parameters of withdrawals that you're allowed to take out each year. And then that annuity will probably just keep on paying for you for a long time to come as long as you stay within those parameters for yourself. All right? Okay. Would that include that 5% that they give you for inflation? Well, if you have a 5% uh, rider on the annuity, it could be a 5% future growth of future income protection down the road. That could be what you're talking about. There's all different kinds of ones out there. It's almost like splitting hairs. One annuity company has something that's very similar to another annuity company, but it's slightly different. And so before I tell you the way it is, I need to find out what type of contract you have. I need to read through it just a little bit. Just take me five or ten minutes or so. But that's what you have to understand is the ultimate answer to your question is, What are the rules for that particular annuity contract you have? And then sit down and we'll figure out how to maximize the income for yourself. That sounds great. Bill's on the line with us from Maryland. Bill, what's your question for Larry? I have a couple companies calling me to reduce my credit card debt, and they want me to stop payment on my credit cards. I think it's for three months, and then – give them money so that they can negotiate with the credit card companies and they say usually they can get them down at least 50%. But I'm concerned about my credit rating, but they say 
after six months or a year after you pay off the credit card that the rating comes back up to where it was or better. William, I don't know about that, okay? I'd be concerned about your credit rating as well. I'd call your credit card companies yourself. I suggested that to these people, and they say, oh, don't do that because they'll tell you not to do it. But on the other hand, I'm worried about these people just getting a commission or payment as you know, their fee. Well, they're they're not going to do it for free, but let's take yes. a look at the bigger picture of this. Do you have means to pay the credit cards down? I would, yes. Okay, then for whatever reason, you charged on them, so let's go ahead and forget about this other company and pay the debts down. Right, and then I wouldn't feel guilty about not paying the banks back fully. Exactly. Uh, all right, William, I appreciate the phone call. Keep listening. I appreciate that. And Tell I appreciate friends. you, too. You're very good. Claudia's calling us from Silver Spring. Claudia, go ahead. I hear about convertible bonds a bit, and I really like to know more about it. Sure. Convertible bonds are what's going to be a rising interest rate expanding economy marketplace. They tend to do better than your non-convertible bonds. Basically, you can convert those bonds into shares of common stock. So if you have a bond in XYZ company and it's a convertible bond, at some point you can convert it into shares of common stock. It's just another type of bond class. They're good. Are you looking at purchasing them or do you have some now? No, what, I don't have any. I'm looking at, uh, at purchasing. I just wanted to know the negatives and positives of convertible bonds. And is there a time commitment? No, there's no time commitment on your end, really. Obviously, if you buy the bond, the bond will mature at par value at some point in time down the road. You either need to hold it to maturity or act before then if you're either going to sell the bond or convert it to common shares of the stock there. But it is an asset class. It's good in an environment such like this. Usually, you'll get a little bit higher yield on it. But the pricing could move a little bit more than a more stable type of a bond simply because it can convert into shares. But if you're buying it to look to convert into shares, you may just want to look at buying the stock to begin with. You need to really, Claudia, take a look at how you have your investments positioned now. How much money do you have in fixed income or bonds versus how much do you have in equities? And remember, the primary investment objective of bonds is current income. Growth is secondary. So if you're looking to say maybe, all right, I want to put a little bit of money into some convertible bonds here for a little while, get some interest before I convert into the stock, that's one story. Or you just might want to say, you know what, I'm just going to start dollar cost averaging out of my bonds right on over into the stock right there. So there's two or three ways to go about doing it. If you want, I'll put you on hold here, and I'll have Bob get your information. I'll send you out all kinds of stuff on convertible bonds, the do's I and don'ts to that. it. Appreciate the phone call. Yep. Debbie from Gaithersburg, you're on the Larry Rosenthal Show. I am really new into this whole world of finances. I really don't know what I'm doing at all. Well, that's I'm okay. I'm sitting here with Chris, it. and we'll make something up for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure <laughs> okay. it out. All of us together. Well, I flipped on the radio last week, and I heard a show on Hero Radio about draft strategies and how you can invest your money in this draft strategies where you don't really lose anything, like they say it stays, the interest stays the same, okay. but it can go up, but okay. you're not going to really lose anything. So I haven't really done my research on it completely yet, but I wanted to ask you about it, if you have heard. Debbie, I've never heard of the term raft strategies, but okay. based off of what you just said is that the interest rate is fixed for you, it can only go up, you can never lose money. There's a type of an annuity out there or a type of life insurance. 
They're called mm -hmm. index contracts. And the statement is true that your money can never go below what you put in. Okay. All right? And as the markets rise, you will get a piece of the market going up. You won't get the full thing, but you'll get a piece of it going up. The problem with a lot of these contracts are that they really tie down or lock down your money. Most of them are extremely illiquid, and it's very difficult and challenging and sometimes extremely punitive to pull your dollars back out. So we like to make sure that people have liquidity and they understand from a transparency standpoint the exact type of investments they're getting into. And the reason I'm saying that is because every investment vehicle out there has pros and cons associated with it, Debbie. And this type of a product may be right for your family, and it might not be right for your neighbors down the street and around the corner, or vice versa. So before you put your money into any type of an investment, make sure you sit down with a professional who can help guide you through the prospectus, the brochure, and even call the company with questions that maybe he or she's not familiar with or you're not familiar with. Because in a lot of these products that guarantee you, quote-unquote guarantee you, no loss of principal, the liquidity is extremely difficult to get your money back out of many times. And oftentimes, the ultimate rate of return, because there's so many ceilings and caps involved with it, doesn't really end up being what you think it may end up being as far as performance down the road. I would well, get the brochure. You know, I would I would go ahead. Yeah. Look into it more. Um, exactly. Know what you own. Understand what you own. Understand also what the risks are in an investment. You know, each month we bring in different industry vendors, annuity companies, insurance companies, mutual fund companies, ETF companies, managers, SMA account people, all different types of things. And one of the questions that I love asking them when they're saying, you know, hey, this is right for your clients, that's right for your clients. Debbie, one of the questions I love asking them, and they squirm and they get a little, like, pause in their answer is I say, okay, so explain to me where the hole is in this. What's the risk from an economic standpoint? What's the risk if my client puts money into this, if the market turns into 2008 again? Or what's the risk if they raise taxes or they lower interest rate or whatever it may be, and they just sit there and they look at you like, well, you know, I've never really been asked that before. So always go into a new investment product with asking what's the risk? What has to okay. go wrong in the economy for this thing to take a downturn? Okay, that's a good question. What do you recommend? Like, I am really new to this financial world. I'm recently a widow, and my husband did all the financial stuff. And now I'm thrown into this time where I have to make these decisions, and I don't understand any of it, you know? So I'm well, really, Debbie, really first of all, my condolences. I'm sorry to hear about Thank the you. loss of your husband. And here's the way that I would approach this now is I would sit down and get some financial education and I would interview two or three different financial advisors come into our office and interview us and one of the things that you want to find right now is sort of a trusted type of an advisor that can step you through everything and you can actually hire a financial advisor on an hourly basis to help guide you through all the investment decisions and you can work with another advisor, and this person can be sort of an overseer of your situation if you wanted like that. Like if you said, well, hey, Larry, I really like this person who's talking to me about this raft program or whatever it is, but I'm unsure about it. You can hire me or somebody else to oversee it and give you, you know, suggestions and education on it all. 
But that's what I would do is sit down, draw a line in the sand with a financial advisor and say, look, here's my situation now, and this is what I envision down the road for my retirement or college funding for grandkids or this is what I want to do with my home and I want to buy a car every five and a half years and I want to do this amount in vacation planning each year and this is when I want to retire and travel and do all that kind of stuff and so, basically so build out a, a financial plan. I want my life to look in the next however many years, you know. Correct. Kind of go That's in exactly. with an idea of what I want to do. That's exactly correct. We have a 133-point checklist of a financial plan. Okay. So stop and think for a moment how old you are now, and then every year that you age and that I age and Chris ages, every year that we all age. I don't age. We're, we're, <laughs> you don't age, Chris. There you go. Because you're not eating donuts now, right? That's right. So <laughs> – Every year that we age, Debbie, we're moving through different financial clocks and dates yeah. and timing issues with our retirement plans, with insurance things, the whole nine yards. So we'll lay that out in sort of a timeline for you and say, okay, now you're 60 years old. We need to start talking about how you're going to maximize Social Security. When are you going to take it? Are you going to take it early at 62 or defer to your normal retirement age or even 70? What are we going to do about your group life insurance? When does that expire? Is it portable? Just all these different dates and things all along the timeline, that's the way a financial plan needs to be built out. Okay. Okay, great. Well, thank you. Yep. That was very good. I wanted to – a friend of mine said – you know, I asked her about this plan, and she goes, well, why don't you call Larry on the radio show? And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. So that's why I called you. No worries. Well, I appreciate it. I'll tell you what, Debbie, let me put you on hold here, and if you want, you can uh, give Bob some of your information, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and it can get you started on this, okay? Okay, great. Thank you so much. Jeffrey, thanks for calling the Larry Rosenthal Show. You're on with Larry. I just retired. I'm 65, and I'm uh, wondering, am I allowed to refinance to put a little extension on my house? Yes, you are, God. You can refinance. Banks are income lenders, not necessarily asset lenders. So as long as you demonstrate the ability to repay the loan, they'll give you the loan. If you have a pension, Social Security, or in some case, even investments that are giving you income each month. So you need to work mm -hmm. with a, a good mortgage lender who understands you're retired and you want to go ahead and look at doing that. Another way to look at doing it is simply getting a line of credit on your house as well. Okay, does that help? Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Okay, appreciate I appreciate that. the phone call, for You have a great weekend. Catherine, thanks for calling. You're on with Larry. For the past year, my IRA only made like a 4.5% return. Now, my financial planner says that's a good return since I'm 61 and I'm going to retire at 62 to start drawing on those investments. Am I aggressive? I'm not aggressive enough. What's your pay? I'm in mutual funds and some money markets. Kathleen, that's a great question, but let me let me expand it a little bit more to get a total look at everything. So the rule here is that the closer you are in time to needing your money, the more conservative it needs to be. So my first question is, you're going to retire next year. You're going to need to spend down that money next year, or do you have other means of income and other dollars around as well? I am going to spend down on that money because I'm not going to start collecting Social Security till I'm 66. I tend to agree that the closer in time you are to needing the dollars, the more conservative it needs to be. Okay, But now, now you've given me new pieces of information regarding Social Security. Why are you waiting to 
collect Social Security at 66 versus 62 when you retire? Because I'd like the 8% bump in the Social Security payment, so I figured I would hold off until 66. Okay, so so Kathleen, the 8% bump happens from 66 to 70, but from 62 to 66, you just have a discount of about 25% or so on what's going to happen. You're going to get a reduction, but here's the way you need to run these numbers out. Okay, and it's different for everyone, but this is the math that you need to do. So you're choosing to spend your own money from 62 to 66, and then you're going to take Social Security, right? How how much more would your money grow if you chose not to spend your own money but take Social Security now and then letting your money grow for another five years at age 62, 63, 64, 65, and 66? It's only growing at, you know, 4, 4.5%. That's the return I got this year. But now it gives you another five years of growth opportunity. So when we sit down with someone, we run both calculations in a financial plan, Kathleen, and that's what I think, you know, you're asking me what I would do, and that's what I would say is go back and rerun these calculations. Because oftentimes people will get the idea, hey, I want to go ahead and defer my Social Security, and sometimes that's appropriate to do. And sometimes it's not, but basically what you're telling me right here, without me seeing all the numbers, is you're saying, hey, Larry, I'd rather spend my money versus the government's money for the next five years, putting pressure on your own asset base. And ultimately down the road, one day when you pass and you're sitting in heaven, you could have more dollars left to pass on to your heirs, but you cannot pass on your Social Security. So sometimes it's better for people to take the Social Security a little bit earlier versus spending down their own dollars. That's the math that I want you to sit down with your financial advisor to work on. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Would it be advantageous for in a marriage for one to start at 62 and then one to hold off to 70? So this way it's yes, it, one supersedes the other? It could very well be. And, you know, when we sit down with clients, we sit down and we do their entire Social Security maximization conversation. There's 70 or 80 different ways, Kathleen, that people can file and claim their Social Security benefits. Sometimes it's one spouse filing and suspending and the other spouse taking a spousal benefit and deferring theirs. There's so many different ways to do that that you need to run this out into your financial plan to see what's best for you and your spouse and your family. And oftentimes you'll be surprised at how you can max out and get out you know, more money out of Social Security even earlier in life by doing this and saving some of your own dollars. So that's really the calculations that you really need to sit down with your advisor and run. If you want, we can have someone in our office reach out and give you a call and explain in much more detail without you giving all your personal information over the airways here and how to go about setting that up in your family. Does that make sense to you? Yep, yep. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that, especially, you know, because I was a little concerned with the 4% return being so conservative. I think that you could probably have done a little bit better, but again, I don't know your whole situation, and, you know, if you are going to spend that money down, you want it to be not so volatile, but at the same time, I don't know what your other resources are, and I don't know what your planning stuff is and what your expenses are and your income and things like that, but you need to sort of rework the financial plan because oftentimes it will work out the way that I just described it for you, putting more money in your pocket of your own dollars versus letting the government save some of their own, okay? 
Okay, great. Yep, let me go ahead and put you on hold, and we'll have someone give you a call next week about how to maximize out the Social Security benefits for you and your family and take a look at your IRA. On the line with us is Martha from Leesburg. What's your question for Larry? I want some advice on whether or not to invest in BDC companies. There are two I've looked at in our area, GLAD and ARCC. ARCC, Ares Capital, and GLAD is Gladstone Capital. Yes, I'm familiar with BDCs. You know, it's an alternative type of an investment, so you're only allowed to put a certain amount of money. Lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. We're still goodbye. As long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And my dear, we're still goodbye. Long as you love me so, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. One of the fun things about Christmas, right, Dina? A little snow. No, no snow. <laughs> no snow. You're not no. a snow fan. Larry's a snow no. fan. You're just not. I, I, and tr- trust me, I understand <laughs> what a snow fan Larry is. Larry's got this thing in the office where um, I don't know where this came from, but if you sna- shake a snow globe, it'll snow. So he's got snow globes all over the office. And every time somebody comes in, shake a snow globe. No. <laughs> 
No, give me a sand globe. I will shake the sand globe. See, Bob Bob understands. Yeah, yeah, he's got that. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. No. Anyway. No snow, please. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can't stand being cold. Well, yeah, you know, but could we have warm snow? Snow that doesn't melt, it's just white and sits That's on called water okay. with sand. Okay, water with sand. A, a beach. beach. A beach. Okay. Yes. I understand where you're coming from. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm kind of kind of a fan of the snow, but you know I understand no. your point of view. So. I have never understood. Okay, totally totally off topic. <laughs> um, I have never understood people who go skiing. They pay money to go get cold. They do actually. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, get it. It's for the thrill of the downhill. That's what it is. Uh, Not no there. thanks. Not your thing. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Never in a million years. <laughs> Note no. to self: Don't take Dina skiing. Got it. Note to self, Dina would never agree to go. Okay, there you go. Okay, that's fun. Now you know. Um, <laughs> but, we, you know, we've got some financial stuff to talk uh, the, the rest of yeah, the time here. And yeah. I think um, one of the things that, that I think doesn't get nearly enough talk time these days, mm-hmm. and it's very, very prevalent, are these financial scams. There are financial scams everywhere. Just when you think. You're, it's safe to come out. You get this envelope in the mail, and it looks like an official government envelope, right? It's got the seal of the United States or perhaps the state you live in. It looks completely official, and it may very well be a scam. They're dangerous. So, they're really dangerous. Well, they're everywhere. There are the mail scams. There are the people who mm-hmm. call on your cell phone and tell you they're from the IRS. And if you uh, don't pay them $1,000, they're going to send U.S. Marshals and arrest you. I have a, a real sad story about it. Just this last week, a friend of mine oh, no. got uh, lost, lost $29,000. Oh, no. To a scam. See? See, yeah. they're everywhere. Um, there are romance scams, and the romance scams on social media are a very, very real thing. Um, if you are on social media at all and you make a comment on, an, on a public page, you may be co- someone may comment to you and say, oh, hey, I looked at your profile. I really like some of the things you're posting. Can we be friends? Yeah. Seems innocent enough until you see a few of them and figure out they're all typing exactly the same thing. Right, with the same pictures of all these. They're going to say they're really a beautiful girl or a really handsome man. It seems like out yes. of out of uh, Hollywood or something. They don't exist, you know. Yes, yes. I actually had someone leave me a comment posing to be a Hollywood celebrity. <laughs> really. Hey, I'd really like to talk with you privately. I, I really like your picture. I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> I am this this very famous Hollywood celebrity. And people fall for that. Yeah. Get on that. Okay. So I just want to give some recommendations, some advice on how to avoid these scams because they're everywhere and some of them are very overt. Some of them you can tell, oh wow, you know, like the Hollywood actor guy. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. But there are others that are so slick. They are so sly and so convincing. So I I I, th- I think it bears discussing today. And if you are are on the web at all, 
in any regard. I think your number one, your number one idea is to question everything. If you're on Instagram and you like to post pictures on Instagram, you may have a lot of complete strangers following your, your Instagram, right? And they may write comments, oh, hey, I really like that picture you just posted. Or they may end up in your private messages. Always ask questions. You, you protect yourself by questioning every single thing. And truly, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If somebody wants to approach you, you should ask yourself, why is this person approaching me? What are they going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of it? And so many times these scammers have this sense of urgency about them. Oh, yeah, you got to do it now. It's, it's, oh, yes. Chance is going to yes, be yes, gone. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I've been picked up at the port of L.A., and if I don't get money, they're going to deport me back to my third world country. Please help me. Yeah, it's pretty sad, actually. And and it's uh, some of it's very believable. And you have to be very, very careful. You have to really know who you're talking to. Text messages are the same thing. I've been seeing a lot more of those on the text messaging than they have on the on the, uh, you know, the regular channels. They really started to use that platform. And it's also very, very dangerous. It is absolutely very dangerous. So many of the cell phone providers now have a neat little function on the phone. If you get a text message from an unwanted number, you can block that number. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to respond. And, and by all means, if someone you don't know texts you a link in your, in, your, yeah. in your email, on your cell phone, don't click the link. No, no. Don't click it. But the big, the big thing is just question everything, Okay. And the next big thing is to review all of your accounts and all of your passwords. Mm -hmm. A number of years ago, before this became so mainstream, I had my credit card number saved on a shopping website. And I used this website regularly, but I also had my cell phone uh, or my bank account set up to alert me if my banking account balance got below a certain level. Sure. One night, I'm getting ready to go to bed. I get this text from my bank, and it tells me I've got $2.39 in my bank account. Holy moly. Well, what? (laughs) So I start looking. Someone had hacked my shopping website, had bought some some camera equipment, several thousand dollars worth. But before they did it, they changed the email address on the account, and they changed the mailing address. Thankfully, this shopping website was savvy to that, and it, it triggered them not to mail the equipment out. But the money had already been taken out of my bank account. My goodness. It, it, it ended up okay. I got the money back within 24 hours. My bank was on top of it. The shopping website was already on top of it. But the one thing I learned I'm not saving my credit card number on any shopping website. I will go through the pain of pulling it out of my wallet and typing it in if I decide that I need to do some online shopping. Mm-hmm. And one of the most dangerous things that anything when it this comes to this kind of a thing is if you hear the word Bitcoin, you hear the word <laughs> Bitcoin and paying for anything, be very, very, very wary because that's the that's an untraceable thing and that's why that's why hackers and deviants tried to use that is because it's easy for them to get that money and impossible to trace. So don't use Bitcoin when it comes to trying to buy stuff in those kinds of situations. And, And the big thing is to make sure, first of all, that you update your passwords regularly. Passwords are so easy to hack. 
you want to have much longer passwords and you want to have them with random nonsensical things in them. Don't put your child's birthday, your anniversary, the last four of your social. Don't do that. Okay. And then on your credit cards, check your statements regularly. I spoke with a client just this week who was looking at one of their credit card statements, saw a line item that they didn't recognize from a very popular company, went to the spouse, said, hey, what would you buy at this company? And they said, I don't don't buy anything from this company. So they went through, called the company, and the company says, well, first of all, we don't even have a record of your credit card number on file here. So in, in, you know, went through all of that and they said, no, you need to call your credit card company because this is definitely not a charge with our company. Wow. Yeah. So check your credit card statements and keep your passwords private. Keep them really complicated. And as much as it eases things for you, don't use the same password on a whole bunch of different accounts. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's all really good advice. In fact, those uh, the thing in those passwords that are really, really important is the length and definitely characters and numbers and mix it up a little bit when you're doing that kind of a thing. Yeah. Special characters, capitalize something here and there. And again, just make it something completely nonsensical. I've actually got clients who come in and they have a, a program, an app on their cell phone that will just generate random passwords sure. for them. Sure, yeah. And password generators are pretty common. I guess I'm going to have to change all my passwords now because they've all been Bob123 exclamation marks. So. <laughs> because we love Bob. We love Bob. Everything's Bob. Oh, no. No, <laughs> and Bob spelled backwards is Bob. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> and he's famous now. He's on Top Gun. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he's a you know, Bob on Top Gun. You haven't seen the new Top Gun yet? You should. I have seen the new Top Gun. You don't remember I Bob? loved it. I was 16 years old all over again. <laughs> yeah, that was fun stuff. <laughs> it was fantastic. The second the the second the movie starts and you hear the big gong, I'm like, it is 1986. <laughs> all over again. Yeah. <laughs> 855-767-3123. If you'd like to talk to Deanna, she's available right now. 855-ROSE123. And we should talk quickly about uh, what's coming up next week uh, as well as far from Rosenthal. That's right. That's right. Everyone's got the opportunity to hear Larry live and in person at 2 o'clock and again at 6 o'clock next Thursday. All times are Eastern. Larry is going to give his market commentary in light of what the Fed says on Wednesday. The Fed's going to come out maybe raise interest rates only half a point on Wednesday. And they're going to have some language after that about what they expect in 2023 with regard to inflation and continuing Fed interest rate policy. So Larry wanted to get out immediately thereafter and talk to everyone about what that means. Mm -hmm. And when he finishes with that, Larry's going to talk about legacy planning, you know, we, we spend all of our time, we work hard, we save hard, and we build up this nice nest egg. And we may not live long enough to use it, or let me say it differently, we may not outlive it. We may have assets left to pass to the next generation, to charities and other organizations. And the whole legacy planning side of estate planning is very exciting. It's very complicated. So Larry's going to talk about that after he does the market update next Thursday. Signing up for that is really important, too. LarryRosenthal.com. Get yourself registered. LarryRosenthal.com. Look for the webinar, and we'll get that going next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Let's say we Larry, take a, say, Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? 
I was going to say, Larry always does such a great job with that. And the thing I like is that he does a great job of making it understandable for everybody. He Larry does. won't be talking big jargon. He'll make it understandable and relatable for your situation. Really so does. go to LarryRosenthal.com, sign up for this program. We've got two opportunities next Thursday, one at 2 p.m. Eastern and another at 6 p.m. Only 30 minutes, just a small chunk of your day, but it's going to be invaluable information. Well, we've got about 11 minutes left in the show, so give us a call at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show in just a moment. Stay tuned. Oh, this is my favorite. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear. Savior's Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. A new and glorious morn on your knees. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives. with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit 855-767-3123 that's 855-ROSE-123 this is the Larry Rosenthal show wow she can sing can't she oh I love Martina McBride I always have <laughs> wow now I grew up in Nashville I'm a country music girl so she's uh Boy, she's a powerhouse. Love her. Yeah. Well, you can sing pretty well, too. I've heard you. so don't. Not like that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have a different day job, right? Yeah. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Give us a call. We've been talking about how to avoid financial scams, and I think that is so important. It seems like the the incidence of, of people trying to scam is higher at the holidays. And, and perhaps it's because we're busier, we're doing a lot of online shopping, and things just kind of slip through. So I just wanted to spend our time today talking about things you can do to protect yourself from that. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things you can do, and my mom was great at this. My mom kept every receipt every time she used her credit card. And when the credit card statement would come in, mom would marry up the credit card receipt with the statement. And she would go through and actually scratch things off to make sure that that's no one else mom. had used her credit card. Yeah, that's my mom. She was very careful about stuff like that yeah every and penny think, yep and i think in this digital age we've gotten away from that so 
back to the basics in order to protect yourself from financial scammers. Another thing you can do, you can actually monitor your credit. I've, I've advised clients for a number of years now, actually monitor the credit of your minor children. I can't tell you the number of times we hear about children going to apply. They're graduating from high school. No they're credit. applying for their student loans. They pull up their credit rating only to find out that someone's taken out a massive credit card or loan in their names. Nobody thinks to check credit ratings for their kids. Mm -hmm. So check your credit rating. Check your children's credit rating. And, and do this at least annually. I know that there are a number of organizations out there that will offer regular credit monitoring and they'll send you an update on email that helps you uh, keep on track of whether or not you have an unauthorized application on file um, and, and you can take action on that if you know it's happening yeah oh absolutely hey mike's on the line with us from ohio uh mike welcome to the program and how can we help you today hey mike is there any way to beat Irma or because uh, it's a top line number? So if you own rental property or which I do, uh, depreciation and all that stuff doesn't kind of cover any of that up. And then another question: Let's just say I make let's just use the number two hundred thousand, and then my wife she just retired. When she starts pulling money out of an IRA or any of those, I think that's going to add as additional income, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the in the year, okay, if, if you're looking at, at the IRMA calculation, anything that you do in the year that adds to that top line income number, that goes to the the Medicare Part B uh, uh, calculation to determine how much you pay for it. You can do some things sort of proactively so for example if you've got money in pre-tax retirement accounts that will be subject to required minimum distributions you can bite the bullet now and do some Roth IRA conversions but just recognize this is sort of a, a rolling snowball you're not going to be <laughs> able to do anything in the current year you're going to have to do things proactively to impact future years on that Okay, that's kind of what I, I, I figured. And my friends have been, we've been trying to figure out different ways to get around it, but it's top line, so you can't even do any playing with it. So, not in the current uh, year, but again, I think, I think one of the big things, it well, so you can do, as I said, the Roth conversion. You can also, when it comes time to do those required minimum distributions, you can always do a qualified charitable distribution. Okay, if, if you've got a, an RMD coming in and you don't need the money, send some to your church. It doesn't hit the top line if you do that. So let's just say 50000 is going to come in in minimum distribution. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's make it a hundred. It's easier to think about. Okay, you're going to get a hundred thousand dollars in on your minimum required. Now, mm -hmm. uh, I give it to the church. Uh, what happens? I, okay, it doesn't go to my top line, right? Because that becomes that just goes to the church. So it's not my income. Is there any other benefit backwards to me? Or no. Am I just giving up a hundred thousand? You're giving up a hundred thousand, but. The hundred thousand doesn't hit your top line if you send it directly from the IRA to the church. 
Okay, that's money that's never been taxed before anyway. It will qualify as your RMD. You've met the requirement for the year. It doesn't hit your top line income. It goes directly to the church or the other charity. They don't pay taxes on it either. So that's a chunk of money that never, ever gets to be taxed. You're not going to get a deduction on it because it's never been income for you in the first place. What? One last thing on, on this minimum dis, uh, distribution, I've still got a little bit of time to, to play. But on the other hand, I keep hearing rumblings they're going to move that up to seventy-five, and mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious. What's your what? What do you think the odds are on that? Flip a coin, or uh, <laughs> I, I know it's in Congress right now. Between now and the end of the year, they're talking about. Potentially, that would be the time it would move if it does move. I think even if it doesn't move this year, I think it eventually does. Life expectancies are much longer than they were when the life expectancy tables and required minimum distributions were devised. Okay, I think it's not a matter of if, I think it's when. But when they do put that into place, it's not going to be an immediate jump from 72 to 75. They're going to phase that in over time. So, in other words, if the age if the age this year is 72 and Congress passes the SECURE Act 2.0 before the end of the year, it doesn't automatically become age 75 in 2023. It may go up to 73 and then wait a couple of years and go to 74, then wait a couple of years and go to 75. I got you. Okay. Uh, pretty much. I guess it's good, but it's a good problem to have. It is a very good problem to have. But I do think with a little bit of planning, you you can proactively impact that IRMA calculation for future years. You're just not at this stage. You're not going to impact it for this year. Hey Mike, okay. we're going to get some work. we're going to get yep. some information from you and possibly get some help out to you about some of that as well offline if you don't mind. So just hang on just a second. I'll have have Bob pick up for you again. Eight five five seven six seven three one two three. We're kind of running close here on time, but uh, we should summarize what we've been talking about today. The big thing today, we've talked about two things today. First of all, there is a plethora, you like that word? Plethora of financial and economic data coming out next week. We've got the CPI number on Tuesday. We've got the Fed on Wednesday. And we've got Larry's recap of all of that on Thursday. If you want to sign up for Larry's market update, they're at 2 o'clock and 6 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, go to LarryRosenthal.com. The second piece, we've been talking about financial scams and how to avoid them. Please always question everything. Keep your receipts. Check those against your credit card statements when they come in. Don't give out your information online. Don't mm. give your information to strangers. Don't put it out there that anybody can find it. Monitor your credit and always be careful. Change those passwords regularly and make them really complicated. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's been wonderful to see you once again. Merry Christmas to you there, Dina. Merry Christmas, my friend. It's great to see you. For you listening. And Bob. And Bob. We love Bob. See you guys later. Take care. Have a great day. And we appreciate you listening and watching to the Larry Rosenthal Show at LarryRosenthal.tv. Look forward to seeing you this week on those webinars. You can participate in those things. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, the phone number to call during the week is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again next time on another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Bye now. Bye.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.